written in the form of the world that is passing away, which Paul spoke about much earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, if you remember. When you put aside those things, ultimately, what separates people is their attitude towards the resurrection of Christ and also the resurrection of the body for themselves. Now, if you think you only live once, but this life is all there is, then death is your greatest fear and enemy. You will try to pick your life as much as you can. You draw up those bucket lists. And if you feel like as much as you can, you will think that you live a fairly successful and happy life. But also, you will forever be living under the fear that you will be taken away from you in time. But if you believe that you actually live twice, and in fact, you believe that the second life is the real deal, the first life is too short, too fleeting, uh, uh, lived under the shadow of death, but actually your second life, life to come, uh, life actually truly begins after death through the resurrection of Christ. If you believe that, then your life will be different. Or if that belief hasn't made much difference in your life, holy saying, it ought to be different. It ought to make a difference. And that's how Paul ends his long chapter on resurrection in verse 58. But more on that next week. Uh, Paul is articulating the hope of the gospel in this long chapter, this glorious chapter in 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection of our bodies and what that means for our lives today. How we ought to make a difference in our personal life, but also, more importantly, our corporate life together as a church, as we stand fast together on this gospel and labor in the Lord, knowing that in the Lord it's never in vain. Now, last week's passage, Paul made it absolutely clear beyond doubt that Christ, uh, there is resurrection from the dead, and the reason for that is because Christ is risen, and there is this inseparable relationship between Christ's resurrection and our resurrection. And so you look at that, you remember that hope, uh, and you are edified by that, uh, looking at last week. But Paul knows that resurrection from the dead, if this hope of resurrection is difficult thing for human beings to grasp. There are only two kinds of people at the end of the day, uh, those who believe in the resurrection and those who don't. And Paul has met plenty of people who are skeptical about resurrection from the dead. So, uh, in today's passage, he anticipates few questions raised against the hope of resurrection, and he answers those questions. Uh, listen to it from verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? Uh, with what kind of body do they come? Now, you and I already know the passage, so it's difficult not to read ahead. But try to put your um, firm belief in resurrection uh, aside for a moment. <laughs> Did the preacher really say that? Uh, I might get in trouble when Huey comes back, but... You know, who cares? He's in New York, all He's on the plane. He won't find out. Um, I just asked someone to edit out this, this, this point. But uh, uh, put away your resurrection belief for a moment and try to think like a skeptic. Uh, try to think like a skeptic for a moment. Um, the resurrection hurt. The idea that this body, after dying and decaying, will somehow be reinvigorated. Uh, if you're not a Christian, that's really weird. Especially weird uh, for Greek um, uh, Greek people in the first century. You see, uh, if you are young, 
funerals today. Well, you know, getting your body back, well, that's good news, isn't it? You know, you're more happy about your body. You know, your body is glorious already. So getting that body back, it's good news. But if you like any of those qualities, uh, if you're not good looking, you really want to get your body back and be ugly for eternity. You know, to, to the extent, some of us like all three of those qualities. We're neither young, neither good-looking, nor athletic. Is getting my body back for eternity really a good, good news? And, 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 and furthermore, I mean, all the ladies here, you look amazing, uh, you know, just beautiful as we go. But it takes a lot of effort to present yourself in this beautiful way, right? How long does it take to wash your long hair and dry it and make it presentable before coming to church by 9 a.m.? Do you want to wash your hair for the eternity? I mean, I mean, it, it's okay, you know, getting dressed up once in a while, going to the party and so on, but man, getting the body back and washing my hair for eternity? And our body needs lots of upkeep, right? Um, it needs to be exercised to look slim and, you know, Vaguely, I still look attractive to our wives even after we get married. Um, if you like exercising, well, that's good news for you, maybe. But if you don't like exercising, you're going to be gymming for the rest of eternity. That sounds like a chore, doesn't it? Uh, not only that, how does the resurrection body work? What if you have a heart transplant? And on the resurrection day, someone else has your heart. human body works. What are you talking about? Resurrection of the body. Can you be right? That, that sounds strange. That sounds stupid. And that was uh, some of the response, actually, when Paul preached this message of the resurrection back in Acts chapter 17. You might remember, look at that in time. So, Paul begins to answer these skeptical objections in verse 36. Uh, firstly, answering the question about how and how does this resurrection thing work? How can we conceive of that? Uh, here is how he begins. You foolish person. Uh, pretty more earthly. You stupid. Now, now, why is it a stupid question? Uh, is it because we're not meant to ask questions in Christianity? No, you know. Uh, is there any doubt? You know, pretend that I have no question and my, I'm always learning my beliefs. And in the way, Christianity is a bit in the dark, so we're not going to ask any questions. No, no, it's not that. Uh, Christianity welcomes questions. Um, in, in, in the earlier part of 1 Corinthians 15, he, he, he shows us the truthfulness of the scripture by pointing to the eyewitnesses. If you look at the book of Acts, the apostles reason with people, uh, invite them to examine the evidence. Because what Peter says in 1 Peter 3 15, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as a holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you questions. 
reason is that hope you have in Christ. But there's nothing wrong with genuine questions. Christianity is not leaping the dark. But I think Paul calls them fools here because the question arises arises from a doesn't We've already seen that in the previous verse, in verse 34. A fool says in their heart, there is no God. A fool only thinks uh, in human terms. Uh, foolish people like to think that they are the bar of uh, standard of judgment for everything. They try to uh, understand everything based on their experience only, thinking that they know everything. But Paul says that's a foolish thing to do. Uh, God is bigger than that. So he begins uh, with a very earthly illustration of a seed and plant in verse 36. Now, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of a wheat or of some other kind. You can imagine Sir Paul trying to engage with a skeptic. Just imagine. That you've never seen a plant or a tree. Just to try and imagine that you've never seen it. And just look at the seed. And I've got, I've got a slide for you looking at the uh, mustard seed and mustard seed tree. Just look at the seed and you've never seen the tree. It would be almost impossible for you to imagine that that seed will become the tree. But not only that, this seed must be stuffed. On the ground, move its present body, so to speak, in order for it to be transformed to a tree. You can only access the second thing by the death of the first form. So Paul is saying, resurrection of the body is a bit like that. It is the same thing, you know, the seed and the tree. It's identified with the same substance, but it becomes a different thing. It's unimaginably greater. That's Paul's first reply to the question. Many of you, as Christians and as those who believe in the resurrection hope, uh, with this explanation, maybe you're already persuaded. Well, of course, I believe that. But if you're a skeptic, try to, try to be a better skeptic for today's passage uh, and imagining yourself to be the devil's advocate in your growth group discussion. Don't let easy answers uh, stop you from asking questions. And a possible reply is. That's what happens to plants. We're not plants. You know, human bodies don't work like that. Okay, good on you for giving me illustration from the plants. Yeah, clever play ball. But yeah, but, you know, the plants work differently to human body. Well, Paul is in Venice, so read on from verse 38. He says, but God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of a seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory for the moon, and another glory of the stars. The star is the star and glory all saying. Okay, you got the plan? Now, look around the whole creation. And you can get this in Genesis 1 here. The birds and the seeds and animals. 
the dishonor. Now, our present body is serving dishonor. Dishonor and perspicuity go hand in hand, doesn't it? Have you ever seen a dying person? I just visited your loved ones in the hospital. For those of you who are nurses or doctors in your case, it's really undignified that person was full of life and glory and beauty. As death becomes closer and closer, and then said, What is this? This is the right. That is my sickness, decaying age. It's really humbling. We have the whole industry to make the dead body look presentable for the final viewing. Because the perishing body is not honorable. And not only that, but even before we get to the end point of death, um, this language of honor, that, that, that's talking about shame, isn't it? Dishonorable means shameful. Honor means you're proud. There is something about our body that is dishonorable for all of us. There's something about our bodies that we don't know about. We call it body shame. Some of us feel that we are Some of us feel that we are fat. Some of us feel that we are short. There's something dishonorable about our present body. And not only that, I, I think the language of honor and glory here speaks not only about our physicality, but also our moral perfection. Uh, remember that glory language in Psalm 8 and in Genesis 1. Adam and Eve were created in the uh, first place to reflect God's glory and honor. Uh, created the image of God. You see Adam and Eve ruling the creation. You see the image of God reflected in them in their moral purity as well as their physical uh, honor. But in their rebellion against God, Adam and Eve became dishonorable. Instead of reflecting God's glory, we lie, we blame one another. We do all kinds of things where we take advantage of one another. You look at what human beings do with their bodies in this world, there are lots of shameful things we get up to as a race. But when we are raised in this new body, we will truly reflect the glory of God's goodness. His truth his wisdom, his faithfulness will be reflected throughout our throughout our speech. It is sown in this one, but raised in glory. A third report says, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. We ask the question, who feels tired today? Many of you, and, and if I were to ask you, who felt tired yesterday? Obviously, a lot of the moms, moms and just keep going, who was tired this week? And then, then you go up. Um, that's our bodies, isn't it? Uh, we grow weak. Uh, our bodies are subjected to uh, easily being fatigued. Uh, even the strongest man of us gets old and weak. Uh, I don't know whether you, um, uh, his name rings a bell to some of you, uh, Ronnie Coleman. Any of Of course, my body. Ronnie um, uh, Coleman considered to be one of the greatest bodybuilders of all time. And back in his day, people were looking at He's not a figure of a human being. We are seeing a gorilla walking down the lane. And, and you know, he 
walk like 360 kilograms, shouting, easy weight. But even the strongest amino grow old and weak. And our bodies, very small animals, very sadly, with aging and injuries and so on, only call them nowadays can't even walk properly without a walking stick. Even the most industrious queen has an amazing life of service she lived. Not only throughout the queen's life, as she is soon to 13 prime ministers. That's great, isn't it? Um, even, the, even the queen became frail and weak at the end. They even wrote a feather of retirement. This is the nature of our world, and more importantly, the nature of our bodies. Your body, my body. Time will come if you live long enough where you will find it difficult to get off the bed in the morning, walk up the stairs, lost up the stairs, to do basic tasks in life. You can eat as much vitamins as you like, go on keto diet. Lather yourself with all kinds of supplements and essential oils. But in the end, the earth will finish and will keep on. It's not going to be good. The medicines will fail. But that's not the end of the story if you are in Christ Jesus. Our death is not the end point. It is that the dishonor is not the end. Actually, it's like a seed being planted on the ground. To blossom with beauty and glory. If you are in Christ Jesus, there is resurrection of the body. It is sown in weakness, but it will be raised in glory. Never to give up or fail. The natural body calls as the body that belongs to this day, this creation, will die with this creation. But the spiritual body, the body that belongs to the new creation, the age of the spirit, will live forever in power, glory, and imperishability. And having answered the two questions, Paul turns to the scriptures now. This is why you can bank on the resurrection of the body. Verse 45. Thus it is written. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. It's not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Now, Paul comes a full circle in explaining why we can be assured of the resurrection of our bodies, and that is because of Jesus Christ. But the Jesus who died for our sins has risen, taking our body. This is why the Lord became flesh and dwelt among us. He took our flesh. He paid for our sins fully, completely, decisively, finally, risen, victorious against death, and is going to be heaven, and we will be living by the beginning. He will give us eternal life, spiritual body made not of earthly dust, but of heavenly spirit. The first man's origin was from the earth, 
for the second man, God's origin, is of heavenly glory, just as we share in Adam's dust. Those who are in Christ Jesus will share in His glory. We will be the perfect image of Jesus Christ. That will be glorious in you. Each and every single one of us, bearing the image of Christ in our own personality, in our own characteristics that God has put us in, but in a perfect way. I just can't wait until I'll be able to love God with sinless heart. Because frankly, Living in this body of sin, it is for the tiring and wearisome times. It's not just the physical weariness, but the body of sin still making me do, do the things that I don't want to do and not doing the things that I want to do. But in heaven, we will be a real love God as Jesus loved the world. And you and I, we will be able to love one another without anything for self sentiment or selfishness, but purely for the power of love of God. An important question for all of us to ask today is to whom do you belong? What kind of person are you? If there are only two kinds of people in the world, where are you? Do you belong to the first man or the second? Are you a people of heaven, people of dust and death, or people of Christ? People of heaven and resurrection. You see, if Jesus defeated death and we are in him, then we will also defeat death. If Jesus' body has been transformed from weakness and dishonor of the cross to power and glory of the new creation, so will our being. If Jesus' experience of physicality changed from natural to spiritual, so will our if Jesus opened the tomb and left the grave empty, and so we will allocate the empty one day. Now, I want to finish by sharing the story of a Christian brother uh, who is longing for the resurrection hope in this body of death. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's from a, a book called Embodied Hope, and, and here is what he says. I am a congenital heart patient with several skeletal issues that necessitate that I emulate on crutches every day of my life. From birth, my life has been significantly impacted by physical disability, and I have undergone a number of surgical operations to improve the use of my heart and nerves. Nevertheless, nothing in this world of modern medicine has been able to or will be able to fully heal my body and make it whole. I have never known a day that I did not bear a six-inch scar on my chest that reminds me that I should not be alive. Nor have I ever walked the length of a table without crutches or medical my bended knee, something that my fears and needs cannot do. I have never knelt in prayer, and if the Lord should one day bring a woman into my life, I would have to sit down and want to ask her to be my wife. Yet, these realities point to my greater need of being restored spiritually to fellowship with my Heavenly Father, before whom I am hopelessly disabled by my sin apart from His work to redeem me through Christ. I view my disabilities as reminders of my utter dependence upon Christ. 
for salvation and life, and I am sure that in eternity He will restore me to wholeness. By carrying me through the trials of my life, He has given me a longing for the coming new creation when He will restore me physically as I behold Him in restored communion, unhindered by my sin. The coming resurrection gives me hope that a day is coming when I will be made like Christ and free from the curse of sin. Secondarily, I rejoice in the hope that He will give me the gift of a resurrected body free from the physical infirmities I have wrestled with my whole life. There will be a day when I will be able to bend my knee. And the first time that I do so will be at the feet of Jesus when I see him face to face and bow before him as his redeemed child. On that day, I will love and embrace him with a resurrected heart, made whole by his cross, and free from the power of death forever. Only for that day to come. Our brothers and sisters, Christ has risen. Please listen again. Thanks for coming.